So like Billy Madison, all of us have, uh, hopefully, gone to school at some point. School, those magnificent places of learning, those ivory towers of education, those pantheons of the mind where way too many of us learned to hate reading Shakespeare, where we learn to solve math problems that have nothing to do with what we do in real life, where we learned that the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, whatever that means. Now, obviously, there are lots of things you learn at school, but in its best moments, school is intended to be a place of education, a place of learning, right? We're supposed to go to school to learn the things that we need to know, and there's a lot of things that we need to know in the world. If I were still in school, I would be in the 22nd grade. That is how much school I have been to, and let me tell you, I need all of that school and more to make it through daily life. We need school. We need to learn things, because as human beings, there's a lot of things we need to know about. We need to know about how to get through life. We need to know about our faith. We need to know about God. We need to know about how to treat other people. There are lots of things that we need to know. And when we need to know things, we have to get educated. We have to go to school. But of course, it's not just school that we learn places at, learn things at, right? There are other places we learn as well. For example, the church is supposed to be a place of learning. The church is supposed to be somewhere where we learn about God and the world and ourselves. The church is supposed to be like a school, a place of education and of learning. And it's this image of church as school that we're looking at today as we continue our series, What the Church Was Meant to Be. In this series, we're looking at images of the church, metaphors for this thing that we do on Sunday mornings so that we can better understand what church is and why on earth we're doing it. And so this morning, we're going back to school, back to school, back to school. Now, there are lots of places in Scripture where uh, we, we learn about the church as a place of education, where we learn about the church as a school. But perhaps none is more important than what Jesus himself says in Matthew 22. So follow along with me as I read this passage this morning. And one of them, a lawyer, asked Jesus a question to test him. It's the first thing about school, you have tests. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Do you see it? you see it there? The church is a school? Look again at verse 37. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. Your mind. If you follow Jesus, loving God with your mind is a fundamental part of what you're supposed to do. Yes, you love God with your emotions, you love God with your being, your heart and your soul, but you also love God with your mind, with your intellect. Loving God with your mind is 
part of the most fundamental expectation for what it means to follow Jesus. That's what he's saying here. The first and greatest commandment involves loving God with your mind. Your knowledge, your understanding, your wisdom, how you think, what you think, what goes on up here is a key part of what it means to follow Jesus. In the words of Pastor John Stott, God has revealed himself in words to minds. His revelation is a rational revelation to rational creatures. And our duty is to receive his message, to submit to it, to seek to understand it, and to relate it to the world in which we live. That's what we're called to do. So how on earth do we understand God's message? Do we apply it to our lives? What does it mean to love God with our minds? How do we learn to love God with our minds? Well, we learn to love God with our minds in the same way that we learned to read or write or math. You go to school. That's what we do. We go to school. And over the past several weeks, we've been talking about the church as a lot of things, as a gathering, as a family, as a body, as a bride, as a hospital, and all those things are true, but it is equally true that the church is supposed to be a school, that the church should be someplace where we can learn and understand things, where we can come to a better understanding of who God is, where we can love God with our minds. The church is supposed to be a place that equips us for life and faith. Like a school, the church is supposed to be a place of understanding and of education. Now, perhaps you, like me, have not always found church to be a place like this. Maybe your experience with church is that it hasn't been a good place for learning. It hasn't been a good school. You see, churches need to walk a fine line. Churches shouldn't be boarding schools boarding schools. See what I did there? Places where people fall asleep as often as they learn something, right? I've been to many churches where the sermon was so rich with the Greek text and the nuances of theology that half the congregation fell asleep. If you put people to sleep, it doesn't matter how good you are at telling the truth. You're being a bad teacher, But on the other hand, churches shouldn't be party schools either. They shouldn't be places where entertainment and making you feel good are the most important thing. I went to a church once, and they had paintball night and roller derby teams. They had a wine-tasting party, and they had uh, a, a small group that was all about going to the movies. It was great fun, but you couldn't find a single Bible study. Entertaining church is enjoyable while it lasts, but you don't actually learn much. You see, the church is supposed to be about all of who we are. You shouldn't leave your heart and soul at the door of the church when you walk in, and you shouldn't leave your mind at the door of the church when you walk in either. The church should engage all of who we are. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. 
Yes, the church should be a place of emotion, like we were here last week, and like Mitchell's funeral was yesterday. Emotions are part of the church, but so also is loving God with your mind. So also the life of the mind. And that's why the church should be like a school, because every part of us needs to be informed and formed in the likeness of Christ. To again quote John Stott, the church should be a place of devotion set on fire by truth. The church should be a place that equips us for life and faith. Now, practically speaking, we need to ask, what does thinking about the church as a school mean? What does it mean to love God with our minds? What does it mean that rooftop should be a place we love God with our minds? What does it mean that rooftop should be like a school? And to answer those questions, I have some suggestions. Um, Six suggestions for success at school, as a matter of fact. But before we get there, I want to make something very clear. Uh, People who follow Jesus are not saved from sin and death because of something they do. We're saved because of what Jesus has done, because of his life and his death and his resurrection. And so if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, if you're lost in the trials and the uh, things that are going on in your life, uh, you are not going to be saved by these six suggestions. These suggestions are not actually going to help you at all. Only Jesus can help you. These suggestions are simply rhythms. They are practices and habits for our lives, for the lives of those who follow Jesus to help us become the people and the church that we were meant to be. And so if you don't know Jesus this morning, you need to make sure you put first things first. Make a decision to follow him, and then, and only then, can we talk about the importance of schooling in the church. So that in mind, let's look at these six suggestions for success at school. Six practical ideas and practices that can help us love God with our minds and make the church be what it was meant to be. So the first suggestion is know your textbook. Read your textbook, right? You can't do well in school unless you know the source material. And in case you didn't know, this, the Bible, is your source material. The Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy has this to say about our textbook. He says, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You have to know your textbook. You have to know the content of what's going on so that you can be prepared for what life throws at you. You have to be prepared, not just for a test, but for the ups and downs of life. Studies on what the church can do to make the most effective followers of Jesus, the most faithful followers of Jesus, consistently shows that it's Bible reading that makes people the most fruitful Christians. You have to know your Bible. You have to be engaged in your Bible. Now, I have a friend, and he has a photographic memory. And so whenever he reads any textbook, it's immensely unfair to the rest of us who actually have to read what is going on. Because he can just look at a page, and then he'll walk into a test, and he'll be like, oh yeah, that was on that page. 
and he'll know right what to read and find the answer for the test. And sometimes, as Christians, I wonder if we think that that's the expectation for us to know our textbooks, to read our textbooks, as if we need to know all of the Bible all at once, or we need to memorize huge chunks of Scripture. But that's not actually the case. We just need to be consistently reading our textbooks. We need to be consistently engaging the Scriptures. And fortunately for us, we all get to carry around like 120 different versions of the Bible. And we even get reminded that we need to read our textbooks every morning. I woke up this morning and there was a reminder to read my textbook. So start there. The first way to be successful at school is to read your textbook. The second way to be successful at school is to come to class. As big a fan of reading as I am, it's not just reading that gets you where you need to be. You actually have to come and learn alongside other people. And in the context of the church, that is, of course, coming here Sunday morning, coming and learning together. So all of you, good job. Way to come to class this morning. You guys even came to the 830 class. Good on you. (laughs) Scripture has this to say about this. Paul in 1 Timothy says that followers of Jesus should be trained in the words of faith and the good doctrine that they followed. Now, don't let that D word scare you. Doctrine is simply an articulation of what you believe. It means that followers of Jesus should know what they believe and also why they believe it. And while reading your textbook is a good place to start with that, most of us actually need some person-to-person interaction to really make sense of what we're doing. It's kind of like me in math. Math has never been my favorite subject. Never. Arithmetic, arithmetic is fine, but once I got to anything beyond basic algebra, I really began to struggle. It just wasn't intuitive to me. And uh, this wouldn't be a problem, except for when I was in middle school and high school, when I was supposed to be learning harder math, I was homeschooled which means I had to self-teach, which means I actually had to take a wild stab at whatever it was I was supposed to be learning, which was a problem. I would spend hours and hours poring over a textbook, uh, struggling through practice problems, only to end, at the end of the day, get to a point where I had no idea who X was, where he was, or why I needed to find him. (laughs) X was very frustrating in my life. And it continued to be that way until I went to take a college algebra class at a local community college where there was actually a professor who could explain things to me and could answer my questions. And I needed that. I needed that to understand math. Now, most of you can do a pretty good job of reading your textbook on your own. You can do a pretty good job of making sense of what's there, but all of us have things that just don't come intuitively to our faith. We all have areas of our lives where we can benefit from learning from other people, where we can benefit from people who are maybe a little further in us than us or a little further along the journey of learning something. So don't struggle Go to class. Go to class and get help with your understanding of Scripture and your understanding of God.
Third, join a study group. Join a study group. Uh, as helpful as coming to class once a week is, if you only engage subject material once a week, it doesn't actually stick in your head. Repetition is key. And study groups, what we call small groups here at Rooftop, are one of the best ways to be continually learning about your faith and about the scriptures throughout the week. The author of Hebrews reminds us this way. They say, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Regularly meeting together in study groups is the best way to make sure that you're continually loving God and loving people. Because the Christian life is not a solitary affair. We actually are meant to do things together, to learn together, to worship together, to serve together, to grow together. This is what it means to be in a community. It's what it means to be in a group. You will get more out of church if you don't just walk in on a Sunday morning, sit, sing, and listen, and walk back out. You'll get much more out of church if you are engaging your faith throughout the week. So join a small group. Now, we've got a lot of really amazing small groups here at Rooftop, but I want to highlight one. We have a college-age group that is everything you could ever possibly want out of a study group. They come together and they answer each other's questions. They read their textbooks together. They walk with each other through the ups and downs of life. It's important to them to not just meet during class, but to meet throughout the week. They are everything that you could want out of a study group if you're taking your education seriously. Small groups, study groups, are key to learning and doing life together in the church. And if you're not in a study group here at Rooftop, let me challenge you. Make that the next step in your schooling here at Rooftop. Fourth, to be successful at school, you need to focus on legitimate sources. When learning, you have to make sure you're consulting the right source, the truthful source, the accurate source. Otherwise, you're kind of hosed when you need the right answer. 2 Peter 3 says this. Peter says, Beloved, take care that you're not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of opportunity for error. But we're called to study the truth, to know the truth. Most importantly, the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but other truth as well. At least one person in here needs to be reminded of this this morning. Not everything you read on the internet is true. I know, right? Not every Facebook post, not every YouTube video, no matter the color of the person's tinfoil hat, is accurate. Okay? We need to be discerning about the information that we input so that we can have the right output of information as well. When I was teaching theology at St. Louis University, every semester, and I mean every semester, 
some student would send me a paper filled with citations from Wikipedia and BuzzFeed. One time a student even tried to submit a Twitter thread as a citation. Now, hear me here. There's some things that are true in those sources, right? I'm not saying nothing on the internet is accurate or nothing on BuzzFeed is accurate. But, <laughs> but what we need to do is we need to be discerning. We need to make sure that we are being accurate with the information that we collect. Because if we're following God and we're trying to love him with our minds, doesn't it make sense to make sure we're using the right information to do that? So make sure you're consulting truthful sources. Read the Bible, yes, but also read other things that are true and good and accurate. As a professor of mine once said, if you only read the Bible, you'll have all the answers. But if you only read the Bible, you won't know what the questions are because it's out in the world that people actually have the questions that we need to address. So read and engage other truthful sources. Listen to people like Rosaria Butterfield and Francis Chan and Tim Keller, people who are bringing the truth of God to our world today. Focus on legit sources. The fifth way to be successful at school is to enjoy an extracurricular activity. School isn't all work and studying, so make sure you do something else from time to time. Get out of the library. Get out of the classroom. Go serve. Go help someone. Enjoy life a little. Paul in Galatians reminds us, for you were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Serve one another. As Christians, we have tremendous freedom because of what Jesus has done for us. But it's on us to use that freedom to do something worthwhile, to do something right. Knowledge and wisdom and understanding, they're all important. But that if that is all you are ever doing, you're missing the point. Learning without doing isn't learning. We have to go do. We have to go serve. They're critical parts of our education. In college, I had a friend who, if you can believe it, was actually nerdier than I am. When uh, I would be in the library for long hours, he would be in the library for longer hours. When I was out playing volleyball or watching the latest Marvel movie, he would be holed up studying somewhere. And eventually he came to realize that he was missing out. He was missing out on some of the friendships and some of the non-school related things that college has to offer. And he realized, perhaps too late, that there is more to school than just schooling. And I sometimes wonder if the church has made that mistake too. I wonder if we've become so obsessed with working out a perfect theology. I wonder if we've become so obsessed with exploring every nuance of a possible solution before we actually go do something about it that we've missed a critical part of what it means to be the church. 
head knowledge is important, but so is hand knowledge. I have to remind myself of that all the time. You need head knowledge and you need hand knowledge. There's plenty for us to do. There are plenty of people who need our care. There are plenty of churches to plant. There are plenty of people who need to meet Jesus. So don't wait until you have all of your knowledge and all of your answers before you go do something. Don't wait until you're at that point in life that is off in the future when, oh, then I'll have time or then I'll have the answers to go do this thing. No. Make sure you take some time amidst your schooling for an extracurricular activity or two. And finally... To be successful at school, be confident of the outcome. Be confident of the outcome. Believe that you know what you're doing and what's going to happen. Studies show that students who go into a test believing they're going to do well actually do better than students who studied the same amount of time but are worried about the test. So be confident. Know how things are going to turn out. First Timothy reminds us, For to this end we toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially those who believe. Keep the end in mind. Remember how things are going to end up. Because of what Jesus has done, not because of what you've done, you're going to pass. Your graduation is secure. You're going to be okay. Now, that's not an excuse to stop loving God with your mind or to slack in your schoolwork, but it is something that can help us not stress out about our homework. As Christians, we are called to love God with our minds. And in order to help us do that, the church was meant to be a place that equips us for life and faith. The church is supposed to be like a school. We take that very seriously here at Rooftop. So take advantage of what the church has to offer. Use these six suggestions to be successful at school. And never forget that when you have your hope set on the living God, you can be confident of how things are going to turn out. You can be confident that you're going to get a passing grade before God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your people and for your church. And thank you for this call that Jesus gives us, uh, not just to love you with our hearts and our emotions uh, and our souls, but uh, to love you with our minds, to love you with our intellect and our understanding. Father, thank you for the opportunity to do the difficult work of thinking about you and learning about you. Thank you for Rooftop and for the opportunities to learn and grow here as your students. Thanks for wise and learned voices, both here and in your global church, the people that we can learn from and follow. And Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, in whose name we learn by whose example we seek you and through whom those of us who follow you 
can be confident of our passing grades. We ask all this in his name.